Welcome to Beyond the Veil. What is up, people? It is Fred Giles, and it is Dr. Reverend, Right Reverend Archbishop Logan Adams. What's up? We are missing the one, the only priest of the house, <laughs> Dr. Jonathan <laughs> Wagner. We're missing him today. He's out. He's out. They, uh, their dog recently had puppies. Thank you, puppies. And um, they are working around the clock to keep them puppies. Get going. one of those little ones to survive. So, yep. y'all be uh, lift them up in your prayers. Lift their family up in your prayers. Uh, they got some really cute dogs, and so this this would be great for them for that little one to survive. Yeah, we'll miss them this week. We for will. sure, we for will. sure. It's Not the same. He's missing a good week to be here, mm. but you know that's on him. That was right. just it. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Anyhow, nah, it's what's be going good. on, Logan Adams? Oh man, How it's Monday. Doing? I'm good. I'm doing pretty good. I uh, I missed the gym this morning. I'll admit it. Yeah, I uh, I slept in. Don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. I missed it too. <laughs> I uh, I rolled out the bed to get up, and my back was like, mm, nah. Not maybe today. We should take Not one today. more day, bro. One more day. Yeah. So yeah, fair enough. Fair so, enough. Tomorrow. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make my back submit. Come on, somebody. There we go. There we go. Okay. No, man. It's, uh, it's been a good Monday, bro. It's been a good Monday. Um, yeah, no, nothing too crazy though. I'm pretty, mm-hmm. pretty pumped about your sermon yesterday, though, man. Yeah. It was solid. Yeah. It was solid. For those who didn't uh, listen to it, I recommend you go back and do it. Uh, you might hear me hooping and hollering in the background. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, the whole service is up live on YouTube. And then the the uh, sermon because we extract the sermon that'll be available tomorrow. Ooh. I mean, well, it's actually is by the time this video comes out, it should be available. It'll be up up on YouTube as well and on the app. So definitely go check that out. Do it. We uh we got it got I think it got a little. It got it got spicy. It was little, good. Little tense in the room. <laughs> it was yesterday. good. It was great. I love that tension. <laughs> I wasn't oh, trying man. to offend the folks, but you no, know, no. we had to speak some truth to That's right. To some you things. gave some good, uh, how I said it to you yesterday afterwards, uh, you gave a little one two jab and a right hook. Um, you, you, you gave examples. I mean, the fact you just came out the gate reading a ton of scripture was beautiful. It was eloquent. Right. Uh, I'm not trying to, not trying to brown nose here, sir, but it was delightful. Um, we read a lot of scripture. There's a lot of scripture. And then song. I was like, Jesus over scripture. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, that like, first point. Jesus over script. Jesus, Jesus over society is your first one, which right, I loved. Right. Um, because so often we we think that's the easy thing to do in the church, right? Right. Um, and it relatively is. Until we start looking at the society we've got in church and realize it looks real similar right. to the society outside of it. Yeah, we, we, I think there's this uh, there's this unconscious, I don't want to say bias because that's not what I'm trying to say here. There's mm. this unconscious belief that the uh, church's moral compass is guided by Jesus. <laughs> so yeah. it's just yeah. like, just because this is a church, they are mm-hmm. good people mm-hmm. and they do good things for right. people. Right. And then we look at history and we see... Constantly. Right. Constantly see see things like um, what my example was yesterday was mm-hmm. that preachers preached in the pulpit mm-hmm. and owned slaves, mm-hmm. 
which is problematic. Super problematic. It's um, it's interesting because like slavery kind of was justified by the church before Protestantism mm-hmm. really hit hard. Mm-hmm. Um, in a lot of ways, you know, there's a lot of rumblings, and, and Martin Luther King, the original, he uh, he built on the backs of others. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a guy who got burned at the stake like 80 years before him that he basically... Anyway, I digress, I digress. Anyway, um, but like slavery was so... By the time America came along, it was so justified by the church right. that it was it became a societal norm. Yeah. And by the time America came around, humanists, atheists, because well, this is the Enlightenment, right? The, they they were already shouting against slavery yeah. and against it, and there was a lot of actual um, Catholic priests. Yeah, a lot of Catholic priests were abolitionists, but a lot of Protestants weren't. Mm-hmm. And that that's something the church likes Especially to just in the South. bury. Oh man, mm-mm, mm-mm. the South is just rife with it, dude. I mean, oh, it's rough. I mean, you, you look at Martin Luther King Jr. Mm-hmm. Um, and his letter from Birmingham jail. <laughs> He's talking about how yeah. basically the white church. He thought they'd be allies, and instead they turned out to be his greatest adversaries, effectively. Which makes sense when you mm-hmm. think about that report I talked about yesterday. In my yes, sir. Sermon where there was a report that came out in 2018. Mm-hmm. 2018, y'all. I'm going to tell them. Think about this. 2018. Oof. That's what? Just, what, over almost seven years ago? Is that yeah, right? six years. Six, six years, years ago. Yeah. 2018? Mm-hmm. Bruh. Finally released that report. A report came out that the four founding members of the Baptist Theological Seminary mm-hmm. uh, owned slaves mm-hmm. when they founded it. Mm-hmm. They owned slaves, but not only did they own slaves, they advocated for slavery to keep going. Yeah. And and again, like you said, we like to be like, well, we we love Jesus, so our moral compass has to be right. Nah, no, you don't love Allah as Jesus loved you. How he commanded at the to the disciples at the end. I this mean, is the crazy part. Yeah. Of it, when you think about it, we're talk, we're not talking about a church either. Mm-mm. We're talking about an educational institute that makes that churches is, that, that is pumps teaching, out churches. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so when you get <laughs> that kind of Influence mm. developing and releasing preachers, right? Then you have preachers mm-hmm. who are guided not by the Jesus, no, oh. they're guided by society. Yeah, <laughs> Ooh, that's a that's a hard bit to swallow for those church. So crazy, right? And then uh, there was a, another part of the uh, reports talked about how a um. And um, uh, one of the uh, most, uh, like, person who donated a lot of money, mm-hmm. he took advantage of, of of labor. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was crazy, man. That's like, bad, dude. The, I mean, and... There's no... I, I say this, someone's going to find examples. They're like, they helped the poor. That's cool. I, I, in my opinion, there's no redeeming qualities to most of the seminaries in America. Yeah. Um, the early ones, even the modern ones, let's be real, man. Right. Um, I mean, I don't want to throw out names because they'll come after me and slash my ties, but <laughs> they got power, man. They're big, they're big institutions. They, uh, they got people on payroll, but no, well, no, no reality. Like they, 
they go with a particular part of society that they inherently agree with instead of putting Jesus in front of that society. And so when they form their doctrine and their dogma, <coughs> um, yeah, like you said, they're pumping it out and they're making this their, their seminary like the society they want the world to be like. And oftentimes that's authoritarian, and oftentimes right. that's racist, oftentimes that's very bigoted. And people will go, very oh, patriarchal you know, and controlling. And you know, you know, we'll hear it. Well, it was just the, the four founding people. Man, you, you, you're right. You, you, you plant something that is, is poisonous from, from toxic from the base. You think it's going to grow good apples? Like, let's be right. very, very real here. Well, and it's also like, come on, like, think about this. Yes, it is the four, but if the four is responsible for the development mm -hmm. and the teaching of mm -hmm. curriculum, yeah. you cannot tell me that right. that did not influence right. other things. <laughs> Yo, we can look at this as in the secular world. Right. College football is big in Texas. Football right. is big in Texas. And then you look at colleges and... You see all the Texas schools disproportionately spending like 10, 20, 30 to 1 ratios on their football program versus their actual academia. Right. And then you look at states that don't have a huge football print um, or they have a, high, a bigger NFL print but almost no college print, and their colleges inherently spend more on actual academia. Right. And, and that's, that's society playing its role in an institution. That's right. a low-hanging fruit one, guys. Y'all don't want to believe that racism, slavery, bigotry um, against women, against um, LGBTQ plus people. Right. You don't want to believe that plays a role in it? Yo. Well, and, and <laughs> I mean, seminaries. I know, like, we can talk about slavery and all this stuff, but we, mm. society playing a role in church uh, uh, morals mm. or... Yeah. The moral compass of pastors and leaders of churches right. and people in general Ooh. is a huge thing. Because yeah, we going. see uh, we see these pastors cheating on their wives. Yep, they left and right, bro. It is happening. What it is, seems like every week, right? They're cheating on their wives. They yep. are, every you know, getting caught in scandals and mm -hmm. getting all these mm -hmm. things. And what what at the end of the day, you have to go. Somebody's moral compass is not right. This is off. Right. And so a lot of people get, you know, when, and the whole point of the, the point was Jesus over society. Mm -hmm. When we place Jesus above what is accepted mm -hmm. in society, mm -hmm. and when we're talking about that, we have to recognize this is the character and nature of God. Exactly. Right? So as soon as you say that, people go, well... Society accepts this. Right. So they so instantly you, go anti. So we need to, like, hate exactly. this people group or hate mm -hmm. that people group. Mm -hmm. No, the character and nature of God Breach. is love. Mm. It is unconditional love. That's right. It is to uh, not offend your brother. Mm-hmm. Paul goes extensively right. into that, like, man. It's, it's so many of these things. and we But we look at it from an action standpoint versus right. a heart issue, right? yeah. And the character and nature of God uh, has very little to do with your actions. Mm -hmm. oh, completely. His, his nature and his character directs his action. Mm -hmm. And his action is unconditional love. Yeah. Ooh. I'm going to go chase after you. 
Right. I don't care what's going on in your life, what you're right. doing, you know? We're going to love you no matter who you are, what, right. what creed you are, what right. temple you used to pray to or still right. pray to. It don't matter. Right. Yeah. And that is foreign language for church. Oh, and it's actually, and for a lot of believers, offensive language. Yeah, it is. <laughs> oh, crazy. man. The, crazy. The, the amount of me. the heckles that raise up when you say, oh, what? yeah, Jesus loved unconditionally. What? They, they all want to say, but. Right, but yeah, no, you know he, right, you know he, he he holds us accountable. Mm, he does through his unconditional love, through that love, individually, right. through that love, because it's relationship. And most of us, when we hear the word accountability, so from a, a mindset of man, as I put it, accountability has much to do with punishment. Yeah. That, Punishment culture. Man, I'm, I'm, I want to talk about that in the future. Right. Yeah. So, you know, like, yeah. we read this book, um, actually, at the pandemic. During the pandemic, we read a book called Unpunishable. Mm. Were you here yet? I was uh, not. I was were, not. I like the sound of that book, It's a though. book called Unpunishable, and it's an incredible book. Mm-hmm. Um, it rocked my theology. Ooh, um, I like it. And, you know, and this was early in the journey a little bit still for me as I was exploring grace and new covenant. And, but in this book, um, the guy, he talks about God's love being a love that's without punishment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. much of much of church culture, even with discipleship and accountability and, you know, I'm going to walk you through discipleship. It's all steeped in punishment culture. Right. Which right. is, which, in my opinion, is society's culture. Right. Um, I, I would almost argue that society has had a, has been negatively affected by the church in the mm. last like five hundred years when it comes to the idea of punishment as well. Mm. And I, I want to talk on this when I when I preach on on righteousness and justice. Um, I want to go into this because the the ethical concept of. Um, uh, justice system right the the philosophy behind most of it is actually rehabilitation into society um but but as a society as christians in particular and you find this because of atonement theology by the way Mm -hmm. really pushes this hard is that once someone sinned they're a sinner Mm. and we're all sinners so we're all like gonna keep sinning and you know that that depravity thing the calvinists love to chat Mm -hmm. you know chat about a lot but they Keep forgetting to read the verses after. Anyway, um, <laughs> well, you know, yeah, yeah, we'll flex on the Calvinists, but no. Yeah. In, in reality, um, we treat justice as punishment, mm. and we instead of rehabilitating people, instead of, and this is what the church should be doing, but the church doesn't do. The society does what the church does. Um, in, our, in our criminal system, where we will take someone, we'll punish them, mm-hmm. we'll we'll make them suffer. Instead of being like, you made a mistake. Now, there are levels. There, there's murder and stuff. Let's right. be real clear. Right. Um, but there's also theft. Right. And, and, like, instead of rehabilitating or helping them get to a place where crime is not a thing they need to be doing right. or want to do, we punish them. Right. There's no actual... Because they're a citizen. They're a member of our community. Right. Greater community, minor community, d- depending right. on the size, federal or not, Right. And again, in church, when someone 
makes choices that goes against the whole uh, Jesus of society thing. Right. They step outside of the social norm of the church community. Right. With whatever it is, we punish right. instead of helping build up. Right. So that that won't happen again. Not because we're like, how dare you? But because, bro, that hurt you and others. Right. You know? Punishment culture. Yeah. yeah, that's bad, man. That's bad. And most of the churches ran through punishment culture. Yep. Most churches are developed out of punishment culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, most leaders lead out of with a punishment mindset, and it's yeah. just it. It's I bad. mean, and we we call it things like discipleship, and we call <laughs> it things like. I mean, accountability. Right. I'm just, I'm holding you accountable. Mm-hmm. Uh, the church I used to grow up in, they used to call it, uh, if you did something wrong, you had to sit down. Yeah, sit down. That was huh? what they called. That's what they said. Sit mm. down for six months. You got to sit for six wow. months. Or depending on how gross or bad it was, you could be sitting for a year or two, you know, like. Wow. Um, yeah. mm. And they basically put you on on display for everybody to see like hey if you do what this person did right right you're going to see it too right because this is punishment and you need to know that mm-hmm. this person coming to church like and and even with that like they're required to come to church every week they're required to stand in front of people and take the the so, embarrassment yeah, and yeah, the, yeah. The, the silent treatment right and such. yeah take it all on the Shame. nose and we want and and you know like it's We've, it's human nature to want to see people pay for doing something right. that they did. And and we all struggle with it, right? We do, we do. It's instinct. But, but I just know like in ch- like a lot of times in church we we create these ter- these terms mm-hmm. and we give them like a this beautiful name. Mm-hmm. But the underlying meaning is still... It's still punishment. Very much punishment. Right, right. right? It's, um, and, and so we have this hard time with the concept that God will be a God who loves unconditionally and doesn't yeah. we, want we, to punish. We keep trying to add weight to the scales. Right. Lady Justice has scales and they're balanced, y'all. We keep forgetting that. I wonder where the image came from. Oh, the Gospel. Mm. Mm, sorry, y'all. I'm, getting, I'm sneaking a hit on that. But so, in, in reality, you also said um, Jesus above Scripture, which mm. controversial, right? Ooh. I want to I hit that before we take a break because <laughs> that one's a heavy hitter. Jesus over Scripture. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I knew what you meant, and you explained it very eloquently. Like, you, you, you prepped it in mm. the sermon, you mm. threw it down, and then you... You uh, you put some bomb on that burn people right. are feeling. You're this like, is why it's important. Right? Exactly. And you're like, hey, we're not disrespecting Scripture. We're not devaluing Scripture when we say this. But Scripture itself is just the written word right. of, of people's experiences. It's not in the written word of God because the, the Bible itself clearly states, very clearly, makes a theological argument in the Gospels. That Jesus is the Logos, yep. the Word, the of, Word God, of God. Right? Became flesh. Became flesh. This book ain't flesh unless you got a real weird copy, y'all. I don't want to know what you do with skin. Mm-hmm. But um, the, you know, there's grimoires out there. Right. But like, um, it is so hard because you have like 1,500 years, give or take, 
of church indoctrination that this book is holy. And then you have the Protestants saying it's the word of God because the Protestants decide to say this is irrefutable. This is what we look to during the Enlightenment and all those theological arguments and the society's backlash against the church. The Catholics doubled down on the Pope. Protestants doubled down on this little book here. Yeah. Mm. There's a lot to it. There's so much to it. And you, you, you put it out there real beautifully. Right. Jesus over the scripture. And sometimes, Ooh. you know, people are like, well, it just sounds so disrespectful. And, the, and you know, like, absent scripture, absent of Jesus, it's lifeless. Yeah. Like, yeah. none of us would read this Bible. Goodness, no. If it wasn't for the story in the Gospels. Yeah. If it wasn't for... Jesus himself. Right. And, yeah. And, and, like, it would be uh, a, just another book. Right. Right. I mean... If Jesus hadn't been featured in the Gospels as right. a Savior that died for mankind this, yeah. to extend grace and mercy... This would just be a collection be a cool, of right. random little history parts of right. religion and stuff. That most and, people yeah, would yeah. look at and be like, that, ain't, that, that couldn't have happened. You know what's, you know what's <laughs> wild? Most people who aren't in the church look at it as just another storybook. Right. And the church has held on to it so long saying that this is Jesus, effectively. By saying it's the word of God, you're saying this is Jesus. Yo, Jesus meant to live in you. Right. It's not meant to be in right. the book. Um, I mean, I mean, Jesus had the title Messiah, right? Yo, the Jews gave Cyrus the Great that title. He was a Messiah, a Savior. Right, right. Yo, no one in the New Testament, no one in the entire Bible says that these, this collection of scrolls is a Messiah. Right. The Bible ain't going to save you, and that's going to hurt people's feelings and to hear those words. they very upset about it. And here's the other thing. You know, I, 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 I challenge people because I know somebody will go, oh, you can't do that, the Bible, you know, blah, blah, blah. But my challenge to you would be, okay, if the Bible is directing your moral compass, oh. the Bible <laughs> specifically, <laughs> the book. The book. If the Bible is directing your moral compass, right. I would almost say you are devaluing and you Completely. are disrespecting the Bible. Completely. What do you mean? Because there are people, mm-hmm. again... That their moral compass is directed by self-help books. Right. And all these other books that are written by people. And these books absent are absent of Jesus. Right. But many people live by them. Right. And, and Christians would look at that and say, no. Right. You cannot let that direct your morals. You but have to let the Bible direct you more. They're treating the Bible exactly like a self-help book. But it's a more messed up one, y'all. What? Because, and I think I said, I said this to you. I don't know, I said this to someone. Um, pe- people struggle, like, we, everyone cherry-picks the Bible. Even the, the biblical literists, right, and the biblical narrativists, they cherry-pick the Bible so aggressively because they have to negotiate with the text. Because if they take that whole book... And apply it to their lives like they're preaching we should. They can't fulfill the law. They can't they can't fulfill any of it. It's literally impossible. Right. I mean, that was the point of Jesus, y'all. The law was not it was unable to be fulfilled by man. Well, I just uh, I was thinking about this earlier. I was thinking 
it's amazing to me how much people don't let the Bible be progressive. Oh, right. It's not allowed to be progressive in, for mm-hmm. a lot of folks, right? Mm-hmm. So there can be no progressive thoughts when you mm-hmm. read the Bible. Mm-hmm. And if that is okay, if that's how you want to go, then you are okay with affirming slavery right. through okay. the Bible. And that's what preachers were doing. Exactly. And you, there, and people, like right. abolitionists and right. other preachers, had to step up and argue, no, Scripture does not mm-hmm. affirm right. slavery. Yo, you want to you play that game as well? Like they want to say that same game. You want to treat the Bible like your, your moral compass? You want to treat it like Jesus? And you want to follow it as such? Then stop putting rapists in jail. Stop making them pay a fine to the dad. Mm-hmm. Ooh, people don't want to hear that now, do they? Because that's what the Bible says. Yo, there is literally more bandwidth in the Bible that goes against our moral compass as the church today than there is that goes for right. it. Right. I don't know if you read the Old Testament, folks, but the law was rough. Also, like, <laughs> I, here's what I want. I, I always challenge people to, and I want to challenge people, even if you're watching or listening to this, mm-hmm. I challenge you to read the Bible, especially the Gospels, mm-hmm. and read it as if, okay, I'm going to say this is going to sound weird. Keep going. But let me say it. Uh, we believe Jesus lives on the inside, mm-hmm. the indwelling mm-hmm. of the Holy Spirit, right? Yep, yep, yep. Jesus said, I must go so right. the Holy Spirit can come. Mm-hmm. And then he said, greater work shall you do, Boom. right? In my name. Mm-hmm. So we're we're not Jesus, nope. but Jesus lives on the inside. right? So ultimately, I think, as people who are now looking from the outside in, mm-hmm. we are to more be... Uh, Connected to the experience mm-hmm. that Jesus had mm-hmm. in Scripture versus just Scripture yep. for the sake of Scripture. Absolutely. So what I mean by that is I challenge you to read the, the Bible and look at Jesus' experience, experiences with religion mm-hmm. and the Sanhedrin and mm-hmm. the... The state. You know, the, the, yeah, the religious elites. And then... Look yeah, at his yeah. experience... And realize that's what you're supposed to be following. Right, him. Because he went against, head on, mm-hmm. with a lot of the things that was set up by society, mm-hmm. the Torah, mm-hmm. all of that. Oh, yeah. In that time, mm-hmm. he went head on with that stuff. Right. And combated it. Mm-hmm. Right? Straight in the The faces. whole Sermon on the Mount was a live edit right. of Scripture. The uh, <laughs> straight up it was. He was doing on the fly. Well, and you take um, uh, the adulteress story of the adulteress. Mm-hmm. Yo, that was right in the face of a lot of problems, but he mm-hmm. did it within the bounds of the law. But he did it in the face of that law. Right. He did it out of love. Right. Ooh. So it was and so we, you know, I would challenge people to read the scripture. From that viewpoint, mm-hmm. start reading it as some instruction manual. Oh, God, I hate to, that saying. To tell you, you know, I think there are great principles in the Bible. There is excellent to principles. To learn from and to live your life with. But the essence of the Bible is not for it to be principle-driven. It's to be passion-driven. Yeah. It's yeah. driven by love. Right. Like, you know, I get this a lot because... In our church at Prevail, we are 
uh, New Covenant, in our mm-hmm. belief, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and we enjoy freedoms. Yeah, like we're not out here beating ourselves up mm. if we want to have a drink of whiskey, right? Or a I know some, I know somebody listening. Oh my God, they drink whiskey, right? No, we don't get drunk. Nope, we enjoy ourselves. We I, I enjoy we, the flavor. Me personally, I don't get drunk, but I like to have whiskey. Amen. And um, but I also understand that my freedom. Mm-hmm. To have a drink of whiskey, to smoke a cigar, mm-hmm. it's funneled through compassion, mm-hmm. passion, not principle. No, passion. Right. So, in my compassion, I will look at my freedom, and I will weigh it against the environments I'm in. Yeah, exactly. If I'm in exactly. an environment where I'm going to offend most people, right. It- you don't do it. You, I just I know. If I'm around someone that I know struggles heavily with it, you don't do it. That's I'm, love for your brother, as Paul would say. Right. That's right, and, and that's followed through compassion. Yeah. But when you look at it as principle, you're like, ah, right. I I, <laughs> I think I preached on this last February actually. Um, well, maybe yeah. Um, when we're in the old space, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I said um, you can't make your moral. Your, your ethical checklist can't be based on the Bible. Mm. If you do it off the Bible, you will always either be stuck in place, not helping or loving people, not, not doing the right thing because the right thing is too many ticks and checks and does it hit this box, this box, this box, yes, no, yes, no, yes, no. You know, it, it gets too tangled, right? Or you'll, or while, you're, while you're trying to figure out what compass bearing to take, I, I remember saying love will already have started walking. Right. If, if, like you said, it's passion, it's compassion, it is love based, it is uh, Christ in you. Mm-hmm. If you try and make an ethical compass off the Bible, you will always come up short right. of what you're trying to emulate and what we should be trying to emulate. What we're trying to, like you just said, read the Bible through the eyes of Jesus. Right. Right? We'll always come up short on that. Right. Well, we got to take a break right quick. Yep. You guys, we are in. The first year, for what, first month of the first year, still. That's right, man. My God. Halfway through. And we are already getting there. We are in our 21-day fast. Mm. We are just started week, Struggling. Two, week two. And uh, Lord knows, I miss me some chicken, some chicken nuggets. I miss, I miss my snacks. But no, honestly, it's been a great, great experience. It has been. And so, uh, listen. Do me a favor. Go over to my YouTube channel if you want to. You can follow along with us. I'm posting videos every single day yep. on my YouTube channel, um, encouraging us throughout this um, this uh, fast. That's so right. um, by the time this video comes out, I will already have put a day nine out. And day nine is about scripture. Ooh, there we go. There we go. <laughs> oh, Lord. On topic. Uh, maybe I'll just post this. Just say, watch this one. <laughs> I'm just right, kidding. Right, But, uh, yeah, check it out, man. And join us on a Sunday morning here at Prevail. Sunday morning, 10, 15. 10, 15? We start at 10. We started. Well, the service starts at 10.30, but we, we, we open the doors at That's 10. right. We open the doors We have our coffee and That's all right. kinds of stuff. Chit-chats. Yep. Snacks. So come join us on a Sunday morning. Come on over. Visit prevail.tv and uh, check it out and let us know what you think. Yeah. Yeah, man.
Ooh. So Jesus over scripture is crazy. It's beautiful. And uh, I feel like I'm, we're going to have to definitely unpack that a little bit more this year. Yeah, you know, yeah. This is There's a lot to that. Crazy. It's going to be one of them years. It's yeah. election year. Yeah. <laughs> Lord have mercy. <sighs> oh, speaking of current events. Today. Today. Technically today. When we're recording this, when it is going. Martin Luther King Day, MLK yes, Day. That's right. Um, unfortunately, I still had to work today. I'm going to say nothing that's, about that. Mm, that's rude. <laughs> that's rude right I'm there. not even going to say nothing. I'm mm-hmm. not even going to say nothing. But um, we uh, celebrate uh, MLK, Martin Luther King Jr. And um, the. Uh, I just want to read what I posted on the Prevail I, uh, I had mine and it, it reset, and I'm going to find it again. What's that? One of his quotes that I love. I posted this on the Prevail Instagram today. I don't know if you saw it. But it said, Dr. Martin Luther King was a man unwavering in his commitment to justice, equality, and nonviolent protest. And he forged a path toward a more inclusive society. Inclusive is a... Dirty word in church. It's very dirty. <laughs> it's very dirty. Dr. King's powerful words and actions continue to inspire us today to dream of a world where we continue mm-hmm. to forge the work he started, where everyone is is uh, everyone is judged not by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. Mm-hmm. And then said, although we still have much work to do, let us not forget how his life impacted the world we live in today. Let's remember and celebrate his vision of unity and peace today, this MLK Day. Mm, that's good. That's good. Martin Luther King was a very uh, prominent character mm. in history. Yes, he was. And there, believe it or not, there are a lot of mixed feelings about him. I just, I'm, oh, I'm I believe shocked. it. I believe it. I've, yeah. I've, I've, I've traveled, sir, this country. I've <laughs> met some folks. I believe it. Yo, with, but with him, my, my, my biggest... Pain is that he was whitewashed, and even in that whitewashing, right. people hate on him. Right? I'm like, he got so sanitized, bleached, hung out to dry on the line, right. and right. put on a store window. You know what I mean? Right. And people still think that's too controversial. I'm like, this man, you guys haven't actually heard what he did, said, and why. Right? Yeah, he he uh, was uh, very jarring to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. I love what's that. There's a movie. What's the movie about the march across the bridge? Oh, it came out. I it was, tell a, you who it was. Um, it was a march. I think it was a. It was a. It was just a beautiful movie. I remember watching that and thinking. It's like ten years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Selma. That's Selma. It. Yeah. I just remember watching, thinking like, man, how is it that? You know, I I look at characters like Martin Luther King. I think, could mm-hmm. I ever be? That bold and courageous, right? He he had a set of cojones. He right he huevos, if you will, to be polite. And we uh, we live in a time now where much of like I spend a lot of time, I think, combating messed up church stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he had to deal with so many like civil rights. Oh yeah, and I couldn't even like. It just it blows me away. Yeah, I'm literally like the the battle he faced every day was phenomenal in its scope mm-hmm. and intensity. Right. Um, yeah, and, and he he didn't just limit it to civil rights either. I think, I mean, right. 
he, he, I want to say one of the reasons he was killed because I like the civil lawsuit hold the federal government responsible for his assassination. Whoa. Um, yeah, yo, yo, you remember, no one else heard that? If you haven't, go look that up. Uh -oh. Um, his family sued the federal government and won. Um, anyway, <laughs> <laughs> for his assassination, um, he was very radical in the sense of his, he wasn't just for all equality for all. He was also in the sense of social settings. Right. It was also economically. Right. Right. And um, the church really abandoned him when he started talking about economics. Mm -hmm. The white church really abandoned him when he started going on the economic crusade. And then that's when the real ramp up by the uh, FBI, the Hoover FBI, um, really pushed the whole, he's a communist, he's a communist, he's a dirty commie. And in his time, he was openly hated by a large majority of Americans, even liberal Americans hated right, him. Right. And today we have MLK and Malcolm X, and they've been sanitized so much that MLK is the pacifistic hero and Malcolm X was the... the, the uh, Violent... The, the anti-hero, here's the Punisher version. Right. And children these days, adults these days, just have no idea. They don't go back and listen to either of their speeches or listen right. to their, their reasoning or their theologies or their backgrounds or even the last year of either one of their lives. So much changed. Yeah. Usually, like, um, I didn't get to do it today, but normally I, I go back and I listen to like on MLK Day, I would just spend mm -hmm. the day listening to mm -hmm. his messages or his speeches. Yeah. And um, I'm interested now to when I go do go to listen to him because I've been reading a book um, by James, Dr. James Cone. Yeah. Black, black Theology. Yeah. Black, yeah. black Liberation Theology. Right. Yeah, and yeah. He, he talks, I mean, he shares so many like inside stories yeah. that, because he was very much like with Martin Luther King and it's just crazy to read stuff from that perspective right. of someone who's sitting at a table, a round table and listening to you know I think about it like like myself, like mm -hmm. there are people who will be like yeah you know I listen to Fred Giles, I know Fred Giles I, I listen to his messages and they can quote some of the stuff I say in my message or whatever. <laughs> right. But then, like, if you were to write a book and be like, yeah, we were sitting at his... At right, his, at the at, table. At his yeah, house, yeah. At, at the table. We were at the... I remember sitting in the cigar lounge with Fred and we are talking. Like, <laughs> people don't get to hear those conversations, but no. in this book, he's he's sharing some of those conversations. And yeah. Talking about how him and Malcolm... Uh, in a lot of ways, actually made peace in a lot of things. Yeah, agreed on a lot of things, which mm -hmm. is wild. And I'm, I, you know, like I'm reading this stuff, and I'm thinking, I want not talk any of this. In, no, no. In, I, you want know something? That was one of the first books on, on the black experience in America I ever read when I came to America. Um, and I read the one without the foreword from him. Mm -hmm. um, it was an older edition. That forward's fire, by the way. Yeah, the forward, <laughs> oh, my he, lord. Even in this, good. in this forward, to like calls himself out on some stuff. Which yeah, is crazy. yeah. It was, that's, that's humility, y'all. Right. You, you can't punish a man in humility. Humility is something when he realizes he did it wrong and admits it. That's humility, folks. 
throw it back to before the ad break. <laughs> right. Um, he, uh, yeah, that, that book was fundamental and foundational in changing my theology. Mm. Um, that was like, we were freshly married. I couldn't work because we're waiting on immigration to process the green card. Uh, I was reading like biographies and presidents and I read that book and I was like, oh man. It, cha- it changed my life in a lot of ways. Um, and it was, it was a slow adjustment because I was in such a white culture right. to bring those things out and forward. Right. Because they're so controversial to this day. Most right. of what he said and believed slaps the church in the face. Yeah. Out of love, but right. it slaps it. <laughs> right. It's interesting, too, because, like, uh, that book was recommended to me by Terrence Lester. Oh, yeah, yeah. And um, My man. And He's great. Because I remember, you know, when I was in Bible college, I went to, maybe I, I don't know, maybe I shouldn't say it, but <laughs> I went to a specific school and I didn't last long because I was very, I was asking too many questions. And, yeah, uh, they don't like that. And, um, but one of the questions I, that I had to wrestle with is why I, I was not learning or le- learning from any black theologians. Mm-hmm. And, um. I mean, it makes sense to when you think about the report that I mentioned earlier. Right, right. Throwback, uh, throwback. But but I was, you know, I remember asking Terrence one time, hey, man, you got any, like, because Terrence has a doctorate, and he's he's very into um, preaching the gospel. But if you go and look, like, I look at Terrence, and I'm like, this is a modern-day Dr. Martin Luther King. For real, bro. Um, For real. And... It's just incredible to see the work he does. Yeah, history ain't done with Dr. Terrence Lesley. Right, yeah, he, he, and yeah. I just I just see that, but I remember asking him, like, and he recommended uh, a lot of people. I, I, I have to go find the text, but I remember just going looking through and seeing, like, Dr. James Cone and some others, and I was like, whoa, it's going to be... Go be some reading. And it really just blew me away because I, I, you know, I realized something. Like, I grew up in such white church culture. Yep. Yep. Yo, and, the, you know, the flavor was black, but it was a white church culture. Oh, my God. Yep. Like, even, I just, it just blows me away. It blows me away. Even to this point, like, I, I pick on the, the, the Bible college. Right. But even the church I was in. Mm-hmm. The church I grew up in, mm-hmm. and the church that I went to in my teen years, and also yeah. it was still very much white theology, mm-hmm. white culture. They had black char- charisma. Yep. Yeah. But very white theology. Yeah. You you, you had a. Uh, you had the. Uh, I, I've said this before. On the podcast, I swear I have. Mm-hmm. I've said this to a lot of people, so yo, don't be surprised. White is a culture, mm-hmm. and it is dominant, and it is um, about power and structure and control, and it has, has invaded everything. It, it's so seeped into what America is, and, and that's why when you start giving rights to people mm-hmm. that aren't in the white culture... Mm-hmm. that aren't part of that the, the defining categories to be included in that white culture 
people in white culture feel like they're losing something because though they're not losing anything, power is being shared. It is being balanced. And when you balance power, those with more power feel like they're getting something stolen. And that's where you get all these slogans and then you got to make America great again and all this junk, right? And then you apply that to the church and the church culture and the church theology and those who were allowed to study in the Bible colleges back in the 70s and 80s mm-hmm. and 90s, they were still getting heavy atonement theology, white culture, white supremacist theology, effectively, that has been pervasive for the last 500 years of Christianity right. and Protestantism. And you still get, <gasps> and then, you know, like, we gotta, we gotta, we have to think about it, because you start thinking about this stuff, you think about prosperity gospel. Mm-hmm. It's very much... I know somebody gonna get mad when I say this, but it's very much white, super white, white culture. Yeah, like when you are thinking about, uh, I mean, like to me, like prosperity gospel is very much a white theology, Mm -hmm. and um, Mm -hmm. because you think, well, this is the approach to prosperity gospel. Right. I deserve this. Right. It's. (laughs) God, wild. give me what's mine. I deserve yeah, yeah. this. And unfortunately, black people buy into that yeah. way easier because of the culture and environments we're raised in. Right. So when you have nothing, the hope is God's going to give it to me. Right. Right? Yeah. And we do things like, you know... I, I, I deserve this. And I'm, you know, I don't want to, I'm not trying to speak bad about uh, no, I no one prosperity because I do believe, yeah, I said this this week. I, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, I think I said something like God does want to prosper us. I right. believe his goal, his heart is for us to be prosperous and wealthy and all these things. Um, but that's not the ultimate no. reason no. for the gospel. Not at all. Yo. But. This is what we've all been taught. Yeah. The theology. And so when I read books like about black liberation theology and they're looking at it like, no, let's we need equal for everybody. Right. We we deserve freedom. Mm-hmm. And you know, this guy's talking about like these people who are like just take me out. Yep. I'd rather be fr- free and poor. Mm-hmm. Versus rich and still bound, right? You know? And right. I'm like, oh, like you just yeah, throwing down in that book, bro. You're like, oh, this is a very different way of thinking, yeah, in yeah. culture because, um, you know, and I loved what he when he rewrote his his thing because even he said my even my first part of this was was flawed because I I excluded women, yeah. <laughs> You're like mind-bending, right? Mind-bending. It just goes so deep, and you're like, "Wow, right?" But it's, I just realized, you know, like I realized how much I would. I realized probably the last month how much I was not taught. Oh, in school, in church, yeah, in Bible college. And how even a lot of things that I was taught, especially in Bible college, was very surface mm-hmm. you know, like and you realize the gospel is not the gospel of the kingdom. Mm-hmm. 
the kingdom is righteousness, peace, and joy. Yeah. And as you are going to be teaching us one of these days, teaching on, righteousness is justice. Right. So if the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy, then my preaching now has to change from being so surface-driven content. Right, right. Right? Yeah. And I think a lot of times people can get to the point where they over-spiritualize preaching. Mm-hmm. Or... Absolutely. The other way. They under-spiritualize it. And, or... Mm-hmm. It's about very surface things. Yeah. So if I get up here and preach about, God's going to bless you. That's surface. Under-spiritualized, in my opinion. Or you can be up there just teaching the Bible, which is a danger for me because I love teaching. And that under-spiritualizes the Bible in so many ways. Mm-hmm. Um, or people who do what, what, they, what is it called? Um, what's, when they teach scripture by scripture. Line by line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, which those are usually the literalists. <laughs> what, is, what is it called? I it's can't called I know is what it not mean. exegetical preaching? It's, it's a certain type of yeah, preaching. Yeah. It's a word for it, but they I go hate scr- all those words. They use <laughs> uh, like they'll find a Bible. And we're going to go through scripture by scripture to preach line by line. Right, right. and this and, word. Yeah, and while you know, there's some things to that, like you start to realize the gospel is much more than just something we're preaching us. It is literally theology to change the world, mm-hmm. change people's lives, to impact the world around us. And this is why people like Martin Luther King right. was so jarring. Right. You live it out. You, right. you live the gospel out. You live your theology out. And I think that's my hardest thing. I, I asked... Um, uh, Bishop Jamie, when he was here, asked that question. It was hard to articulate this question. But my hardest thing with, with Christians, even those in New Covenant, myself included, is rubber meeting the road. Mm-hmm. Because your theology, your real theology, you live out. Right. Whereas you can preach a different theology. You can teach a different theology. You can, you can but what, what you truly believe, what right. you hold your faith to is right. what you live out. And I think the hardest thing I have is not teaching people about grace and the new covenant, insights into all that, but teaching them that you live this out. And how that looks is jarring. Um, Because Martin Luther King Jr. lived out his theology, and it was an evolving theology too. Um, Mm -hmm. Like, like... Y'all, if, if, listening at home, man, go and listen to every single one of his speeches chronologically, get to the end. And I want you to tell me if his theology changed or not, right? It did. It changed. And he got very, um, he got very into freeing all men and women, mm-hmm. children. Mm-hmm. And, and not just from the social injustices of, of Jim Crow and racism but also from, from the economic caste system. Yo, he was talking about the caste system mm-hmm. in America. And we pretend like that's not a thing still to this day. Um, one of my favorite quotes, I, I want to read it. And the, uh, mm, there's, there's so many. This is so, this is so hard for me just to pick a couple. <laughs> but, <all> right, <laughs> um, I mean, it, shoot, guys, I'm sorry. I, I got three here. All right, here's one. Mm, mm. 
All right, March 30th, 1967. He was talking to the Southern Christian Leadership Conference. The evils of capitalism are as real as the evils of militarism and racism. Mm. The problems of racial injustice and economic injustice cannot be solved without a radical redistribution of political and economic wealth. Right. And my man wasn't a communist. He just saw the evil of capitalism yeah. in America at the time because we, as in, yo, I'm going to get political, yo, I'm sorry. <laughs> but this needs to be said. It's MLK Day, man. Um, this is what he was saying. America lied to itself and the world, saying it was the freest country in the world, and it tied capitalism to freedom as the same meaning. And he marched for jobs. He marched for rights. He marched for everyone. And he got sanitized down to, oh, he got rid of Jim Crow. He did. He was a major part of that. Absolutely. Right. Preach. Right. But that man, that, that beautiful doctor, that reverend, saw the root causes of these problems, and he wasn't stopping. Right. He, was keep, he was wanting to keep going. He was the kind of person that would literally not stop until he stopped seeing injustice, in my right. opinion. Right. And we, all the issues that he marched and preached about, we still see today. There, right. are, legal, there are legal solutions that have been done. Right. Absolutely, and thank right. God. But all the issues, the root causes. Right. I believe we still got to continue that legacy on in everything we do and say in honor of not just him, but also the God that we all serve. Right. The Jesus that right. he put above society, the Jesus that he put above scripture, in my right. opinion. I don't know if you heard him preach, but right. that man could preach too. Yeah, he did. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's the, ultimately, that's the, I think the the essence of the gospel and really of all believers should be that. Right. We need to elevate Jesus mm -hmm. as the compass of our morals, or, you know, as the standard of our moral compass. Amen. Um, he needs to be the standard. Yeah. And when he becomes the standard, you know, I tell people all the time, like, and I, and I say this, and people get, they get their eyes get real big, and they look at me like I just, you know, stole the Kit Kat from, <laughs> from him. But I'll tell them, you want to know if Jesus is the standard for your moral compass? Mm -hmm. When election time comes around, if you don't struggle... Right. With, with both sides? Right. I, he's not the standard. Right. Exactly. If you just vote party line. Right. That's loyalty to party line. Right. And then if you try to take and make your faith align with loyalty to party line, Jesus is not. Nope. And I say it again. He is not. Preach. The director of your moral compass. No. And somebody will get mad at me for saying that. It's true. But it's true. It's true. Because if you don't struggle with both sides of the aisle, and mm -hmm. there is more than two sides, but in America, we got we focus on the two. We got the two biggies. We don't struggle with both sides of the aisle. Yeah. And you don't have a hard time with knowing who to vote for. Right. Right. I, I, I will man. venture to say that your moral compass yep. is not directed by Jesus. Right. The The... The heresy, if you will, of 
single issue voting, the, the, the hypocrisy to grace and the gospel of single issue voting. Right. It's, uh, it's a thing. It's, it's interesting, thing. though. I'm interested to see what happens this year because oh, the main issue that everybody would go, on, I got to vote for this this way because of this, which was abortion. It's changed. It's now so, off the table. So. Well, I, can, I, can I be bold and say this? If, if abortion was your reason for voting a particular way, let's, let's be honest. If you voted um, in one direction and now it's off the table and you continue to vote in that direction... Abortion wasn't the reason. Abortion wasn't the reason, y'all. You were just looking for an excuse, uh, in my opinion, to endorse racist policies, bigoted policies, because um, they line up with your society because you didn't put Jesus above your society. Keep preaching. Let's go. Whew, oh, sorry. God. Logan's getting all uh, fired up. Str- struggle with both sides. <laughs> both sides. Oh, don't get me wrong. Don't get me started on the yellow side of that. Right. I'll, I'll be here all day. My Lord. Mm-hmm. Lord. Mm-hmm. You ever seen a B-52 bomber painted with a pride flag? Because that's the other side of the aisle. They're still doing the same things. They're just friendly out in public. Ooh, I'm sorry. <laughs> we got to close for Logan's getting us in trouble. <laughs> Logan's getting fired We're going to get flagged. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, guys, it's been a good one. It and has. I hope you've enjoyed mm. this podcast episode. Mm, it's uh, it's, it's going to be a good year, year, man. It's going to be a great year. Got a lot of stuff coming down the pike. That's right. Next so, month's going to be good. Yeah. yeah. Black History Month. Let's do we it. talk about it. Hopefully, we can get us a, a special guest on the podcast. Yeah. I'm a love, I would love to try to get Mr. Dr. Lester back up here. Yes, sir. Um, I want to, I really, that's my guy. I got to do better reaching out to him. I don't do that great of a job. I'm a terrible friend. And uh, I'll tell him that myself, but I love that man. He's, He's a, cool dude. a great guy. But anyways, thank you guys for listening. Listen, do us a favor. Let us know you were here. Yep. Type a comment, comment, something. If you disagree, it's fine. Type it in there. Comment. We'll, we'll talk about it. If you got questions, comment. Let us know. Scan the QR code on the screen. Comment. Make sure you subscribe. Share this with somebody. All day long. All day long. It's been a good one. See you on the next one. Peace. Peace out. Yeah. We out.